Welcome to Passion Life Church. Are you glad to be in church this morning? Well, thanks for coming this summer. We're so glad. I know the summers get busy, but I, I tell you what, God will honor your time for coming and honoring his presence. And we are in a series that we've simply entitled Fruitful. And what we're doing in this series is we have discovered that it's God's desire for every one of his children to bear fruit, to have a fruitful life. And we've discovered that not only does he want us to, but we're actually called. He calls us to bear fruit. And we're created to bear fruit. And Jesus tells us that when we are connected to him, when we're abiding in him, and he uses the analogy of a vine and a branch, that he is the vine, we are the branch. And what does the branch do? The branch receives from the vine. In other words, the branch is resourced by the source. You are not the source. God is the source. Can I hear a good amen? But something happens when we try to be the source. And that's when everything can go wrong. We need to let God be the vine and just let us abide and dwell in him. And when we do that, the Bible said there is fruit. And fruit, really, we could say it this way, there is results. How many of you like results? Let me, let me see your hand. How many of you like results? I like results. I don't like to buy stuff on TV that they say it's one way or one thing. Come on, when you get 10 or 6-minute abs, how many of you remember those? 6-minute abs, that you could have abs in 6 minutes. I don't, I don't think that that works. There's no results. Or maybe you have that friend like I do, that they're always talking about how they go to the gym, and you're like, you, you, you go to the gym? Yeah, and now and I've had to train myself to ask, like, like how long have you been going to the gym? Because here's the reality. When someone's saying that they're going to the gym, what are we looking for? Results. Come on. If your biceps are still the size of grapes, we're wondering, are you really like, are you going to the gym to hang out and just drink the juices? And, or are you really having results, you know? And so I always love that question when people look at me and they're like, are you working out? I don't know if that means, and sometimes I am when, I, when they ask me that question, and sometimes I'm not. But here's the thing. What we want in life is we want results. We want results. And so many times I think we can live such a vague life. And uh, so many people live a, well, kind of let's see what happens type of life. A que sera, sera type of letter. Or this is my favorite. And I'm like, okay, when people say, well, I just said whatever happens, happens. What? That's not a life that's lived on purpose and for a purpose. With that kind of lifestyle, you're not going to have results. You're not going to have the fruit that God wants us to have. And so he says that when we abide in him, we bear much fruit. Now, what Jesus is saying is that he's saying that when people look at our lives they can see the result of what's going on inside. That's really what fruit is. And in this series, we've said this. Fruit is always the outward expression of the inward life. Fruit. Fruit is the gauge of how we know what's going on. Fruit is the gauge of how are you really partnered with Jesus. 
Are you really partnered with Jesus? See, and what happens is in order for the fruit to have an outward expression, there has to be an inward life. And you may be here today and you're like, Phil, you know, life hasn't been good. I'm looking at my life. I don't like the results. I don't like the fruit of my own life. Well, here's the reality. In order to change the fruit or what the outward expression is of your own life, here's what you have to change. You have to allow God to change the inward first. Because God doesn't change from the outside in. He changes from the inside out. Fruit comes from the inside out, not from the outside in. Can I hear a good amen today? So when God is working and wants to work, he works in you so he can work through you. When God's work in you is revealed outwardly, guess what happens? We see fruit, but God is glorified. Look at our theme scripture that we've been saying every week in John chapter 15, verse 8. It says this, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Let me say that again. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Disciples. Now, God has set his people up to succeed because he wants us to bear fruit. So here's what he does. When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, his spirit comes on the inside of you. His spirit is going to bear the fruit that God wants your life to bear. So God sets us up by putting his spirit inside of us, every believer, and let me say it this way. Every believer can bear the fruit that God wants you to bear. And so he puts his spirit inside of you. Now his spirit is going to bear the fruit that goes along with the character of God. And the Apostle Paul talks about that in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. He says this, but the fruit... Now, in the Greek, the language of the New Testament, this word fruit means this, the acts, the deeds. So we could read it this way. But the acts and the deeds of the Spirit is love. How many of you think the world could use a little bit more love? Let me see your hands. A little more love. I think the world could use a lot more love. Well, guess what? There's love inside of you because His Spirit is inside of you. And listen, this isn't just some fuzzy, warm feeling love. This is actually the agape in the Greek, God kind of love. It's the love that goes beyond what it feels and makes a choice to love its enemies. It's a sacrificial love. And ladies and gentlemen, the spirit on the inside of you wants to bear that type of fruit. Now, I say the spirit wants to bear that type of fruit because it's not just about the Spirit. It's about you choosing to walk in the Spirit. And so here's what the Holy Spirit wants to do and the fruit he wants to do. But you are going to decide whether you're going to walk in this love or walk in your flesh. You're a three-part being. You are a spirit. You have a soul. And you have a body. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. So how many of you figured out that sometimes your spirit wants one thing, but your flesh and your body wants another thing? And so now you can decide whether you're going to walk in love. When you walk in love, you're walking by the Spirit. Because God is love. When I walk 
in it hate and I choose to hate. In Galatians chapter 5, he also goes through the fruit or the manifestations of the flesh. One of them is hate. Hate in the Greek means ill will. Love means good will. I get to choose in my life whether I'm going to allow the Spirit of God to move or it's just going to be me and fleshly human power. And Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is love. And I love that Paul put that first. I love it. I think all of the fruit of the Spirit is very important, and we're going to find out today that they work together. They all work together. But I just noticed when I was reading this that Paul didn't say that the fruit of the Spirit and the first one was self-control. The first one he said was love, because love is the core motivation of God for everything that he wants to do in your life. And the great news is you have the love of God inside of you, so you can love like God loves. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And then last week we went through joy. Come on, everybody say joy. Come on, may Passion Live Church be a church of joy, not a funeral service. Right? I've been to a lot of churches where it's just like, man, who died today? Right? Even Jesus died. But guess what? He rose again. And we're celebrating a risen Savior. And so joy is a part of the fruit of the Spirit that only God can give. Only God can give you joy. You can search and search for all of these things. Most people are really in a pursuit of happiness, right? But it's, it's different than joy. But joy comes from the outside in. And the tragedy is, is that many people are looking at the outside to make them joyful inside. But only joy can come from the inside out. And I want to encourage you today, no matter what, what's going on in your life, you have joy. God functions and operates in these fruit of the Spirit. When we look at love, he operates in love. God operates in joy. I know that's a little surprising for people because they think that God's mad all the time at them. As a matter of fact, he is a God of joy. The Bible says that in his presence is fullness of joy. And so this is how God operates. Now, here is the next one. The Bible says peace. The fruit of the Spirit is peace. So what we're going to do is today we're going to talk about peace. And then in the next couple of weeks, we'll, we'll break down these other fruits of the Spirit. Because here's what I have found. Many of us know this scripture, and we may even know that they are inside of us, but not many of us know how to access this. And last week we talked about how joy works. And today what I want to talk about is peace. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you could use just a little more peace in your life? How many of you could use just a little more peace in your life? And I think the summer is so amazing. I love the summer. And what we do, and I, you probably do it too, is that you go online and you're going to take your little vacation or do what you got to do. And here's what you're looking for. You're looking for the best spot that you can experience what? Peace. Peace. And you get on Google and you look at the hotels and you look at, oh, this is, oh, I can see the ocean. Oh, peace could be right there. Whoo, thank you, Jesus. Right? And so we plan, right? And we will plan according to peace. And I think even some of us, even if our family or immediate family is saying, hey, come hang out with us for the summer. You're like, nope. I want peace. I'm not talking about anybody specifically. I'm just saying. 
I've been in church a long time where people are like, man, you know, my family wants me to come down and visit here. And then, you know, oh, we're going to go to the beach because it's peaceful. I, I get exactly what you're saying. What you're saying but you're not saying is that when you go with your family, there's no peace. And so you would rather plan for peace and have peace than be in a chaotic family situation in your summer. Can I hear a good amen? Just turn to your neighbor say, he's not talking about you. Just say you're not. He's not talking about you. But if I were to really ask you, and we'd probably get a different answer from, if I were to really ask you, so come on, describe peace for me. What is your definition of peace? Like, what is peace? And I think some people would say, all right, you know, Phil, it's a beautiful sunset. How many of you like that beautiful sunset? Man, those are, those are beautiful. And uh, they can be peaceful. Or maybe it's, it's uh, being on the beach, just hearing the waves crash and psh, being on the sand and just, man, I, I'm thinking about it right now. I may have to go after, after church today. Uh, but just being on the beach and hearing the waves, oh, that's so peaceful. I worked at one job where this one guy was always wanting peace, that he would buy, he would buy those CDs of, like, um, tropical sounds. You know what I mean? And have you, have you ever heard those? And you put those in, and, and then you can put in the CD, and you can hear the tropical sounds of, like, psh, psh of the waves. And I would listen to that, and that would always inspire me to have to go to the restroom. I don't know. Every time I hear the water, I'm like, I, I got to run. But I'm like, we're not on the beach. But for peace for him was putting in that CD. And to me, they always sounded just a little bit cheap. You know what I mean? It's like, is that a real ocean or is that just like a toilet flushing? You know, but I think it's funny that we, we could put in a CD and all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, I, I feel, you know, peace. And for some people, it's that. I remember growing up, what was peaceful for my parents is when they would tell us always to sit down and be quiet because we want peace. Right, Phil, sit down and be quiet. <laughs> sit down and be quiet. We need peace in this house. Right, so what they would do is they would equate peace to quiet, serenity. But the question becomes is what happens when there is no beach? What happens when there's not even a tropical island CD that you could find? To put in what happens when there's no beach, there's no sunset, there's no ocean, and what happens when there's no quiet? Does peace leave? Does peace go? What happens? You know what? I think there's a misconception that we can have that when those things aren't present, my peace is gone. Yet peace is a fruit of the Spirit that only God can give you. And you already have it. Despite whether you're at the ocean or you got your tropical sounds of the island CD, whatever you have, ladies and gentlemen, you have peace. Would you say that with me? Say, I have peace. But until we understand that peace only comes from God, here's what happens. We will use temporary escapes to satisfy a real need. And let me tell you today, everybody needs peace. You know why I can say that? Because God wouldn't have given it to us if we didn't need it. We, everybody needs peace but here's the question. How do you satisfy the need for peace? Because how you satisfy this need for peace, peace can actually dictate the condition of your life. You know, this 
week, in the last week and a half, we, ta- we saw two people commit suicide, right? Celebrity, a, a chef and a, a celebrity designer. And you know what they were trying to do? They were trying to fulfill the need for peace. And the way they chose to fulfill the need for peace, they thought by taking their own life would fulfill the need for peace. Can I ask you a very real question? How do you fulfill and satisfy the need for peace in your life? Is it scrolling on Facebook? Because that can't be peaceful sometimes. Somebody posted a picture of you, you're like, what? Right? People always take the most awkward pictures of me. I don't, like, I'll see myself and they, like, there's just this side of my face. I'm like, I don't, peace, the news, you know. How do you satisfy the need for peace? Because that can determine a lot in your life. So let's define peace. What is real biblical peace that Paul was talking about that you and I have? Listen, you don't have to try to attain peace. You already have it. Paul says it's a fruit of the spirit that's already on the inside of you. So in the Greek language, this is how we would define peace. Peace is the tranquil state of the soul assured of its salvation through Christ and so fearing nothing from God. Let me read that again. Peace is the tranquil state of the soul assured of its salvation through Christ and so fearing nothing from God. It also means this and has this connotation of peace. Wholeness. Come on, somebody say that with me. Say wholeness. Say completeness. So in the Hebrew language, and uh, Jewish people know this well, they use this word called shalom. They will say shalom. Maybe you've heard that word before. And what's interesting, that word shalom, even in the Hebrew, means wholeness, prosperity, and victory to you. It's actually like a salute. When I say shalom to you, I'm saying, it's kind of like when we sneeze, people say bless you, right? Bless you, bless you, bless you, right? We say now, you're blessed. You're already blessed. I know you're sneezing, but you're blessed. Don't forget, just because you're sneezing doesn't mean you're not blessed. You're blessed, right? You're blessed. But shalom, when I say shalom, what I'm saying to you is wholeness, completeness, and prosperity, victory. And that's important because you can have prosperity without having wholeness. There are many people, these people this last week who committed suicide, they had money. They had fame. But guess what? They didn't have. They didn't have wholeness. But see, you can have prosperity and money and not have wholeness. And you can have wholeness and yet not have prosperity. But I will tell you this. What good is it to have all this money but be sick? And what good is it to do if you have all this money but your money cannot buy your healing? This is why peace is so important. And so when they said this word peace, everybody understood that it meant wholeness, completeness, tranquility in the soul that's unaffected by outside circumstances. And ladies and gentlemen, you have peace on the inside of you today. You do. And when a person is dominated by peace, listen, they have an inner stability even in unstable times. As a matter of fact, when you think about the fruit of the Spirit, you know why you can have joy? Because you're loved. You have love, love, 
Man, when you understand your love, it can produce joy, recognizing and thanking God for your love. But you know what? You can also have joy because you have peace. Joy is the gladness despite any circumstances, but peace is actually the stability in any circumstances. So I can have joy knowing that because peace makes me stable, because my peace doesn't come from the outside circumstances, it comes from the stability of Christ's character. And his character, we sang it today, is immovable, unchanging. That's what I'm looking about, looking at. It gives me peace. And so everyone needs peace. So here's what I'd like to do today is I'd like to give you three needs that peace fills because we all have the need for peace. Here's the first one. It's the need of peace with God. Everyone needs this. Everyone needs the peace of God. It's interesting that when Jesus died, and uh, if you know about what happened to him, they pierced his hands. They, they scourged him. It was a horrible, brutal death. And um, they, uh, they put a crown of thorns on him, and they put nails through his feet. They pierced his side, and he died a horrible death. But thank God it wasn't just about the death. Three days later, he rose again. And what's interesting is that the disciples that had left everything to follow him, when he died, it was like they got scared. A lot of them got scared because they were afraid of the persecution. Because they're like, wow, if they did that to our master, if they did that to Jesus, what are they going to do to us? So they were like hiding out. And how many of you know that God always knows where we're at? And so Jesus shows up to them. And in John chapter 20, verse 19 and 20, it talks about Jesus appearing to them. And look what it says. Jesus came out and stood in the midst and said to them, look at this, his first words to the disciples who are afraid of persecution. Here's the first words that he says, peace, peace be with you. Peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Now, they, Jesus knew exactly where the, his disciples were at. Can I encourage you today? Jesus knows exactly what you're going through. Can I hear a good amen? And here's the words that he speaks to you. He speaks peace to you. Peace to you. To you. So I started with the need for peace with God because of two reasons. Number one, you can never have a relationship with the Father unless it's through the Son, Jesus. And what Jesus did in, when he died on the cross to forgive you of your sins, he took our place, right? He was rejected from God so we could be uh, accepted by God. And he died so we could have peace with God. You could never earn it. We sang it today. We didn't deserve it. But you know what? He did it for you and me. You know why he did it? So you could sit here today and know that you have peace with God, that your salvation is secure. Pastor Phil, how do I know my salvation is secure? I want to tell you, when you get to heaven, you're still going to see Jesus's nail-scarred hands. They're eternal. You're going to see his nail-scarred feet. And what he did 
was so you could have peace and a relationship with the Father. Jesus said, I am the way, not a way, the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. And I want to encourage you today. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, you have peace with God. Can I hear a good amen today? And maybe there are some of you in this church today that you didn't grow up in a church like this that preaches salvation through faith and grace. You came to a church that preached works and religion and you're never good enough and you can't do good enough. That's true. But that's why we need the grace of God. And that is what saves us, our faith in the grace of God. So even in growing up in church, some of us sit here today and we don't even know if we were honest, if we died today, if we go to heaven because we don't understand that we have true peace with God. And you today have peace with God, not because you're all that, but because of what Jesus did for you. Come on, can we celebrate that and give the Lord a great round of applause today? But I want to go deeper because I think it's interesting. Jesus is with his disciples before he died and he's going to go on a lake and he tells them, guys, we're going to go to the other side. And he gives them this word. We are going to the other side. And they didn't know. They just thought that he was speaking. But little did they know there was a huge typhoon storm that was going to hit their boat. And so what happens is, is that Jesus is asleep and this storm comes. How many of you know life can have storms? Some of us can be in a storm Right now, we can be in a storm. But what I found interesting is that here are guys who left everything, right? They're professional fishermen, and they're in a storm. So they've been through a few storms. But this one was huge. And the first thing that they say to Jesus and their first challenge with Jesus in the storm is they question their relationship with him. Look at Mark chapter 4, verse 36. It talks about this storm. It says a furious squall came up. If you know anything about a squall, that is a humongous storm. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Look at verse 38. And Jesus was in the storm, sleeping on a cushion. Watch the disciples' response. The disciples woke up and said to him, Teacher, notice. Notice they didn't call him Lord. Notice they didn't call him Savior. Notice what they called him. Teacher. Because maybe the storm redefined what they thought or who they thought Jesus was. And you know what? I love the disciples because they respond in a way that sometimes we respond. Because they're human and they're freaking out. And they don't call him Lord. They don't call him Savior. They say Teacher, but look what they do. Teacher, don't you care? Don't you care if we drown? They're in the storm, and the first thing that is their challenge is, hey, Jesus, where do we stand? Because I thought we had peace with you, and I thought if you cared that there wouldn't be a storm. And I think that's indicative of how we act sometimes, right? Our car breaks down. We're like, Jesus! Don't you care? And some of us even go a little bit deeper than that, right? 
We did everything for our hair, right? We straightened it out. And as soon as we get outside, it goes right back to frizz. And we're like, Jesus, don't you care? I have an interview. The refrigerator breaks. Jesus, don't you care? And it's funny how the first thing we do is, is we think about our relationship with him. Like the, def- like, like the car breaking down defines whether we have peace or not. Whether like the refrigerator breaking down defines your peace. Like your hair being curly or straight. Def- what about those with no hair? All right, so how did that define your peace? Right? Lord, don't you care? I didn't get that promotion. Lord, you knew and you know that if I would have got that promotion, it would have taken care of all of my bills. Well, maybe it's good that you didn't get that promotion because if you got the promotion, you would think it was the job that's taking care of all of your bills. It's actually not the job that takes care of all your bills. It's God who is your provider who can use a job, but he maybe didn't even give you that promotion because he didn't want, he knew if you got the promotion, you, the first thing you would do is take your eyes off of him. I know I wouldn't get any amens on that. Lord, don't you care? But can I just tell you, it's not the promotion. It's not the refrigerator. It's not a bad hair day. It's not your refrigerator that determines whether you have peace with God. What determines your peace with God is the nail-scarred hands of Jesus Christ and the nail-scarred feet that he went through and they pierced his side that would show us the value that no matter what comes your way, you have peace with God. But here's what we do. We give our peace away. And you hear people say this all the time. Oh, man, he, he made me lose my cool. No, nobody made you lose your cool. You gave your cool away. Oh, man, you know, they, they just made me uh, get outside of my peace. No, nobody made you get outside of your peace. You gave your peace away. Can I hear a good amen? And so we need to stop looking at earthly things to determine our peace and remember the sacrifice that Jesus did so we can have peace with God in any storm. But I just find it funny that the first thing the disciples do is like, hey, Jesus, don't you care we're drowning? And they forget that if they were to drown in the boat, that means Jesus would have to drown because Jesus was with them. But I think there's a principle there that we can look at, and here's the second need that Jesus fills, is Jesus fills the need of restlessness restlessness. You know, Mark chapter four, verse 38, it says Jesus is asleep in the middle of the storm in the, on a cushion out, maybe even snoring. The Bible doesn't say, but he, I mean, he's out. Does it make you mad when people snore? I don't know if it makes you mad because, because you can't sleep or it makes you mad because you look at them and you're going, they're really enjoying this. And I'm not. Does that make you mad? Like, like they're really enjoying this. And I'm going to sit here mad. And you sit there mad and they just keep snoring. And they wake up the next day and they're like, ah, it's a great night, wasn't it? And you're like, <laughs> bless you. You're blessed. Shalom. And they're in the time of their life that they think that he doesn't care. And they look at him and he's asleep. He's asleep. Now, see, I think 
when we look at sunsets, oh, that's a picture of, of peace. Oh, when I look at the beach, that's a great example of peace. How about this picture? There's a typhoon storm and Jesus is asleep on a pillow. How about that as a great example of peace? There's no sunset. There's no tropical island CD. He's asleep in the middle of the storm. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a picture of true peace. When you can rest in the middle of whatever you're going through. Somebody said God's peace is not the calm after the storm. God's peace is the calm in the storm. And peace is a funny thing because we walk around most of the time. We know we have it, right? But we can actually even forget about it. When do you know you have peace? You know you have peace when there's pressure. Pressure is an indicator of peace. You know, sometimes we even forget about peace because things are just peaceful. But all of a sudden, when we have a, a storm in our life, it's like we think we lost it. No, you had it all the time. The storm is just revealing to you that you have peace. And here's what happened. As long, and here's a principle that we need. As long as the disciples are going crazy, they're doubting him. And <laughs> instead of Lord or Savior, now they're calling him teacher, right? They're doubting him. As long as they're doubting, listen, as long as they're having anxiety, as long as they're doing all that, Jesus is asleep. But until they wake him up and he begins to deal with the storm, guess what? It changes the disciples' attitude. And see, here's what I found. When you're not at peace because you're anxious about how you're going to get through the storm, you're going to get into the flesh. You're going to get in. How am I going to get through this storm? How am I going to deal with this storm? See, those words, even that way, is saying you're already losing your peace. Because Jesus never meant for the disciples to get through the storm by themselves. He was in their boat. Can I hear a good amen today? But write this down if you're taking notes. If you're not taking notes, write this down or take a picture of this screen. But when you're at work, Jesus is at rest. But when Jesus is at work, you can rest. See, when they were doubting, and freaking out, Jesus wasn't doing anything. But when they woke him up and said, Jesus, look, you got to deal with the storm. He got up and said, peace be still. Guess what happened? When Jesus started to work on the storm, the disciples became at rest. But when the disciples are figuring out how they're going to get through the storm, freaking out, Jesus is at rest. So you have to make a decision. Do you want Jesus to work on the storm or are you going to work on the storm? Because if you're going to work on your storm, then Jesus is going to stay at rest. But if you say, Jesus, I'm going to allow you. This is about you. You are the prince of peace. I'm going to actually go to sleep. Guess what? Jesus will stand up on your behalf and deal with the storm. Ladies and gentlemen, he will allow you to make the wrong decision. He will allow you to deal with the storm and he'll just stand by. You know why? Because he gave you a free choice. And here's what I've learned. In the storms of life, I'm not going to let anything take my peace. And I am not in this storm alone. The prince of peace is with me and I'm going to let him deal with that storm because he can deal with the storm better than I ever can. Come on, let's give him a good round of applause because he is really the peace in the storm. Now, some of us don't see God working in our lives because we're not at rest. Rest is simply trusting in the Lord. Rest is simply abiding. That word, if you abide in me, let him be the resource. Let him fight the battle. Let him take on the storm. 
Now, when I say rest, I'm not talking about you're sitting on the couch eating Pringles, right? Watching Netflix. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about an inner position of trust and tranquility that God is working on our behalf. And I'm having faith. Look at me today. Some people have more faith in the size of the waves. Some people have more faith in the storm than they do. Jesus is in the boat. Now, let me quantify and let me say what I'm, I'm saying. I'm not insinuating today. I'm using this as an God is not asleep. But this story is a picture of Jesus on the pillow of rest. And putting this in the Bible is a story of how we should be in the storm. This is how he wanted the disciples to be. And so when I'm talking about waking Jesus up, I'm talking about allowing him to do the work that he needs to do. But you know what? Fear is going to always try to rob you of rest. Fear is, and here's what we need. America needs rest. We need rest. Some people are exhausted. And you're like, where is Jesus? He's in your boat. But you know what? You got to let him do the work. You got to let him work, right? And so here's what happens in the storm. If you're going to size up the waves and you're going to measure the waves according to how you're going to deal with the storm, guess what? You're not going to be at peace. But if you measure the waves compared to how big God is, you'll be at rest. See, that's the, the, the decisions, that, that, that's the mistakes that the Philistines made when they saw Goliath. Goliath came out, he was nine feet tall. Everybody was talking about how big Goliath was compared to them. David shows up and says, this guy is an ant compared to God. Come on, somebody. But see, we have the wrong measurements. Goliath was big, but he ain't bigger than God. The waves are big, but they're not bigger than God. What God do you serve? Is he a little, little God? Little Jesus? Jesus, my buddy? I got my t-shirt. Jesus is my buddy. Let me tell you, we serve a powerful God that when he speaks to the storm, the storm has to stop in Jesus' name. But we look at Goliath and we look, whoa, the waves are big. Why don't you just shut up and start talking about how big God is? Why don't you start talking? God can kill Goliath with his little toe. And David knew that. This guy, compared to God, oh, give me a break. But the, the Israelite army, oh, he's big. Oh, he's big. Look, at, he's bigger than me. And you know what? The storms will always be bigger than what you can handle. That's why you need peace in the boat. And peace will always calm your restlessness. So many people are restless. So many people. I remember taking driver's ed. I was telling my wife this the other day. We had a guy that was ex-military. He's probably about 70 years old. Probably about six foot four. I mean, how many of you know those, some of those military guys, when they get out of the military, some of them like kind of let their hair grow in. They, you know, this guy, uh-uh. I mean, he had his hair all shaved, flat top. Come on, a helicopter could have landed on it. I mean, it was perfectly leveled. I mean, 70 years old, buff like this. And we got in the classroom. And so he went through his rules. And a couple of the rules were, number one, no sniffing. So if you have a cold, please grab a Kleenex. So I remember I accidentally went, he took out a Kleenex and handed it to me. Another rule was his, is he said, you cannot in my class vibrate your leg. Have you ever sat there and you're just kind of like, he would call out people, move people. Hey, your leg is moving. And we do that when we get rest. I remember we were driving with him 
right? And I accidentally again sniffed. <laughs> sitting in the back, my friend was sitting in the front. He started kind of moving. But I just thought it's funny because we're like that. Like we're, we're restless. Like we don't know how to, you know, and, and even sometimes even in worship, it's a, it's a low moment. It's like, what's next? And some people, to solve their restlessness, they do different things. They move from state to state to city to city. They move from church to church, job to job to solve their restlessness. And can I encourage you today? It's only peace that can solve the restlessness of our soul. And here's the great news. You have peace. God knew you would need it, so he put it inside of you. Now, people have this misconception that when they get saved, there's not gonna be any more storms. There's not gonna be any more trouble. Can I tell you the promises that Jesus made us that we don't really talk about? Let me show you one of those in John chapter 16, verse 33. He actually tells us that we're gonna have trouble in the world. He says, I have told you all this so that you may have, look, what is that? Let's say it. Can we say that a little bit louder? Come on. So where do we find peace? In him. He says, I tell you all these things that you may have peace in me here on the earth. You will have many trials. Now, in heaven, are we going to have trials? In heaven, are we going to have trial? In heaven, is there going to be even crying and tears? No. Are we in heaven right now? Almost. We're in California, right? Come on. We're the Gold Coast. But are we in heaven right now? No, we're in the earth. The earth is fallen. It's a world, right? And this is where we live. And he's going to tell us that in the world, listen, he says, you're going to have trials and sorrows. Anybody experienced that yet? Trials and sorrows? Why? Because we're in the world. But are you ready? But take heart. Take courage. Jesus says, because I have overcome the world. In a world where there's trials, storms, guess what? You have a God that has overcome all of that and he's inside of you. And look at what Colossians chapter 3 verse 15 says. It says, and let the peace of God rule your heart. Rule your heart. Rule your heart. Remember we talked about joy when we said last week, count it all joy when you fall into trials. That word count means authority, have authority. He was saying that let joy rule even in, in, in trials. Let your inward world dictate your outward world, right? We're not excited because we have trials, but we're going to count it. In other words, we're going to let joy have authority. And in Colossians, he says, whenever there's trial, let peace rule. Don't let circumstances rule. But see, if you focus on the problem, you can magnify the problem. But you got to magnify Jesus. And here's why many people don't experience peace. Do you know peace has to be accessed? And you know how peace is accessed? Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 26, verse 3, it says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. I think one translation says, You'll keep in perfect peace those whose minds are fixed on you. So in the storm, is your mind fixed on the wave, the size of your boat, or is your mind fixed on the Prince of Peace who is with you? Who's with you? 
And then he says, because he trusts. See, a person who has peace is a person who absolutely trusts in God. And you can be at peace and stable even when your world around you is unstable. It's the fruit of the Spirit that when people see that, they see the stability in your life, they see the peace in your life, they notice that there's something different. And you know what it is? It's the Spirit of God bringing fruit so when people see it, they glorify God. And God wants you to bear much fruit. And here's the last one for today. Are you glad you came to church today? And so, yeah, you can give the Lord a good round of applause. So it's the need for peace with God. It's the peace that fills the restlessness. But here's another part of this definition of peace that's in the Greek. It's a peace that fills the need in relationships. Do you know this peace is not just a tranquility that gives us stability in unstable times. This peace, when people see you standing there, when everything else you've been through, you're still standing. Man, that glorifies God. But here's the reality. It doesn't just stop there. This peace will actually give you peace with God and other people. And other people. The power of peace is that you can provide harmony within relationships. The Bible says, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. In other words, you are blessed to be a peacemaker. So think about this. Think about how powerful this is. And this is where fruit comes. In relationships that you and I have, maybe they're at work, they can be very um, uh, contentious relationships that we have. But guess who has the power to bring peace to those relationships? You, you have peace. You are blessed to be a peacemaker. Let me say it again. God has empowered his people to be peacemakers. Romans chapter 12 verse 18 says, if at all possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. Now, sometimes it's not possible. Sometimes you do everything to bring peace to a relationship and it's just not possible. It may not be possible because the person has passed on already. It's just you can't, you can't bring peace to that. Sometimes, that's why it says if it depends on you. So for me, I want to be a peacemaker. But how many of you know it doesn't always depend on you? It depends on other people. But here's what I'm going to do. I want to be the person who's going to bring the fruit of peace to a contentious relationship. And he's basically saying, be responsible for your own self in relationships. And when it depends on you, bring peace. Well, I, you know, I, I, they haven't heard what I got to say. And I, I got to tell them a couple. Is it going to bring peace? Because, see, some of us are so concerned about being right that we lose relationships. Be a peacemaker. You have the power to bring harmony to relationships. That's very, very powerful. But let me say this as I close. Only a peaceful person can bring peace to a relationship. Let me say that again. Only a peaceful person can bring peace. It's no different than only a person who has the love of God can love other people. It's only the people that have been so forgiven by God can forgive others. But God wants you to know you have peace with him to calm the restlessness in the storm. But not only that, he wants you to bring peace to relationships. 
And I just believe today that maybe there's some of us here that we're restless because we don't have peace in relationships that we need to have peace in. And we're looking for outside and we're looking for other people. Sometimes we're looking for people who don't even know God to be the peacemakers. And yet you are the peacemakers. God has empowered you to be the peacemaker. Can I hear a good amen today? And so I wonder today, how many of us need peace? Not just because of the storm, but I wonder how many of us are restless today because our peace has been given away to relationships that are contentious, or relationships that are not working, and we're looking and waiting for God to do something, and God is looking at you, and he says, I've empowered you to be the peacemaker. I've given you this fruit that comes from my spirit. Now, let me say this, and then we'll close. Fleshly thinking is always well, you know, I, I don't know, this is what they did to me, and this is what that they did to me, and they did to listen, and I can't believe it. If you always think fleshly, you're never going to get into the spirit. That's not going to cause peace. You know what that's going to cause? Revenge. Now, God never says revenge is wrong. He just says revenge is his. So we just let him, let him deal with those people. But here's what, when it depends on you, well, Pastor Phil, you don't know them. I know I don't know them, but here's what I do know. I know we have a God that has given you peace. And when the world sees you trying to make peace in a relationship, God is glorified and we bear much fruit, ladies and gentlemen. And we need his peace if we're going to live a fruitful life. Let's rely on his peace. Do you receive that this morning? Come on, would you stand and let's give God a great round of applause. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.